Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. Today, I had the chance to talk to Chandler Sailors, who is an assistant program manager for U.S. Disaster Relief. Chandler is currently on the ground in Lake Charles, Louisiana, responding to Hurricane Laura. And so we talked about that storm and um, what Samaritan's Purse is doing, but we also talked about how she came to the ministry and the way that God um, prepared her to serve for this specific role. So I know you'll be encouraged to hear what Chandler has to say. Hey, good morning, Chandler. It's Christy. How are you? Hi, Christy. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, thank you. So yeah, Chandler, if you could just introduce yourself to our audience and share what you do for Samaritan's Purse, what your role is, um, and what you do specifically for the ministry. Sure. So I'm an assistant program manager with U.S. Disaster Relief, and that's obviously with North American Ministries. And uh, I think really what we do on site is just support the program manager and the camp in any way that's needed. So our program managers uh, obviously are in charge of making sure we have good relationships with our host church, with local authorities, other um, nonprofit organizations that are working in the same areas as us as well as the logistics of a campsite so making sure that uh, everything's in place for us to be able to house volunteers. And as you can imagine, that is a lot to have to look after. So our role as assistant program managers, um, there's actually six of us, is to come under that program manager and try and take uh, whatever they need us to to help you know, see out a successful camp. So if that's volunteer coordinating, we'll step into that role. If it's cooking, um, you would not want me to cook, but we are willing to step into that role. Uh, Or if it's just making sure that we are staying in touch with the pastor or our host church. So really our end goal is just having volunteers mobilized in the community to help people that are hurting after a storm. And that can change daily as to what my actual job is. Some days I might be cleaning toilets around camp, emptying trash cans. And other days I might be stepping in for the program manager because they're off away at a meeting. Um, So it's all encompassing, but I love it. (laughs) I feel like you guys, yeah, you have to be very flexible, very adaptable. Cause like you said, you wear many hats and you have to be ready to go at the drop of a hat. So that takes a lot of um, flexibility. So how did God, you've been with Samaritan's Purse for three years, correct? Yes. Yep. Three years this past April. So what what brought you to Samaritan's Purse and, and what would you say has prepared you for such a role? Because this is a unique dynamic and not many could do this. Um, so I, I just want to hear what God has done to lead you and prepare you for to do such a role. Sure. So um, I've always had a heart for missions and ministry and just serving people and, and loving people. But I think, you know, 10 years ago, I knew that's what I wanted to do long-term, but there there weren't many walls around that. I didn't know exactly what direction I would be heading. I think I had had such a limited view of ministry. I thought, well, I don't feel like I'm a pastor. I don't feel like I'm going to be a worship leader. Um, so Lord, where am I going to fit in this picture of, you know, serving people um, career-wise and long-term? So I felt like I I had that call a long time ago and just did not know how it would be fulfilled, which I think the Lord does that in so many of us. He reveals things to us kind of one step at a time. Um, But now looking back, I see I had so many odd jobs and just so many different interests and different hobbies. And now that I work for Samaritan's Purse, I feel like it's kind of the culmination of all those odd, seemingly random things that he had me in. Uh, So before coming to Samaritan's Purse, well, 
I actually had never heard about Samaritan's Purse until I got to college. And it was my sophomore year. I got an email from one of the professors there saying, I'm taking a bus of 50 students up to Tom's River, New Jersey. Um, this was following Hurricane Sandy to do disaster relief. I had never done disaster relief. I had no idea what that was going to entail. But I was like, hey, I love people. I love the Lord. I'm in. So, And even getting on that trip was just such a God thing. He opened so many doors. There were no spaces left. I wasn't um, going to be able to go. And just some random guy came up to me and said, hey, I feel like this trip is something you need to be a part of. So I'm going to give you my spot so that you can go. And I think about that now and how that completely changed the trajectory of my life and and what the Lord's called me to do. Um, So just so many small moments like that. And after that first trip, Tom's River, I had had never really experienced a service opportunity where you help someone physically, you give them an actual hand up. And that is the perfect segue into sharing the gospel and, and sharing the love and the hope that we have in Jesus because they see that you actually care about them when you come alongside them when they're feeling hopeless and you start pulling out, you know, basically their dirty laundry and ripping down their sheetrock and you get into that hopeless pit with them. It gives you an open door of opportunity to share. It earns you an open door of opportunity to share the hope and the love that you have in Jesus. So as our volunteers call that, I got bit by the bug on my first trip out as a volunteer in 2012. And after that, anytime I had vacation, um, that professor knew how much I loved it. So he would just include me in his church trips and allow me to go along. So just continued to volunteer. Um, always in the back of my heart thinking, wow, when I retire, God, I want to do this full time. Like, I don't know what you're calling me to, but mm. that would be amazing. And I, I didn't really see that being an opportunity um, for full-time work because I, I kind of looked at the people that did it uh, on staff as just these really strong, burly, pastoral guys. And I was like, you know, I, I don't see myself fitting into that vision at all, Lord, but hey, you know, you have this in my heart and I'm going to keep volunteering and, you know, I'd love to be a part of it, but it was always long-term, like, you know, 40 years from now, Mm -hmm. would you open up a door for that? So after I graduated, I started working for a different ministry. And again, just the Lord had me working with um, traumatized people in crisis in several different entities and several different ministries before coming on with Meredith first um, with kids, uh, with when females that had been pulled out of some domestic um, sex trafficking. And I always kind of felt like, how is this all going to be tied in long term? But just didn't question it, just kept, you know, praying through that. And so finally, I was volunteering uh, just over three years ago, and I had a gentleman approach me and just kind of ask me my story and, you know, why are you here? And he, he says, have you ever thought about applying for a job with Meredith first? And I was like, in my heart, of course I have, but um, played it very casual <laughs> at the time. And then he tells me that they had created this new position of assistant program manager. And as he described it to me, I was thinking, you know what? That might be something that I, I could do that I need to pray about. And so I did. And long story short, um, I came on staff about three and a half years ago. And since then, I really feel like uh, God's just pulled all those, what I thought were random experiences together and preparing me for what I'm doing now. So, um, yeah, and I I love it. So I'm very grateful for where I am and just what the Lord continues to teach me daily. Hmm. 
I love that. I know one of one of our staff members that I interviewed last year said, you know, our life experiences become our greatest qualifications, you know, and I love that oh. hearing your story. And that's why I love to hear how people or how God calls people here, because mm-hmm. he really does bring people from all over the world with different backgrounds and different giftings and talents. And I mean, it just seems like the right person is always at the right job, you know, and responds to the right place. And I, I just love it. Only God could do it, you know, because if we looked on yeah. paper or on a resume or tried to pick the perfect person, we couldn't do it. Um, but I love hearing your story and I love the way that you just were obedient, you know, but you stayed tender to his call. Um kind of like when he called the disciples, you know, it says at, immediately, you know, at once when he called yeah. them to do something, they came, you know, whether it makes sense or like you said, I think a lot of us think one day when we're retired, we'll do something. Yeah. But when God calls you, you know, come and I love the way that you did it. And, um, and I love the way that you love what you're doing and you see his hand in it every day. Definitely. And so, you know, you respond to many disasters. Um, and over your three and a half years, I'm sure you've responded to, I don't even know. I don't even know if you could have a number, but um, will you talk to me about how, I'm sure each one di- impacts you in a different way, but is there Definitely. one that God has worked bigger in another or taught you something differently from your, you know, you're looking back to your first one in 2012, sure. um, you know, or does each one show you something different about God? I think that would be true, Christy. Every deployment, I feel like I I see what is so characteristic of God, but I learn it in a new way. Mm. So I, I think um, I put God, you know, I feel like I know his character and I put it in a box. Like God is healer, but he's going to heal us in A, B, or C way. And, and you know, God is provider, but he's going to provide an A, B, or C way. I you know, I feel like maybe as humans, we just do that. I know I definitely do. And I, on every deployment, I feel like I see him break out of that box that I've put him in, in, in some miraculous way. And I, I learned something new about him each time. So I think about Hurricane Harvey, and that was my third deployment on staff and definitely um, the biggest that I had experienced at that time. And probably for a lot of people in North American ministries, I think we were all hands on deck for quite a while. Mm-hmm. We had so many media requests, uh, 20,000 people uh, trying to inquire about volunteering, thousands of homeowners requesting assistance, and just being on the ground there, you were pulled in so many different directions. And I was still so new uh, on the logistics side and being on staff, and it was so different from being a volunteer. And I remember walking from the church to our disaster relief unit where our office is, and just every time I made that walk, looking up to the heavens and mm. feeling that, you know, that verse in Psalms where it says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And I have never experienced total dependency on God like I did that deployment during Hurricane Harvey, just saying, okay, Lord, I am not adequate. I cannot do this, but this is your, you know, this is your operation. These are your people. Take me aside you know, take Chandler out of the picture, Hmm. put yourself in my place and and do what it is that you want to see done right now. Whether that's not having any idea what I'm going to do with the 200 volunteers that just showed up at 11 (laughs) a.m. Or whether it's this homeowner that's breaking down in front of me and I have a line of seven others waiting behind them and wanting to give this one the attention, the love, the tenderness that you desire, you know, her to have. There's no way, there's no way humanly possible we can execute that without the Holy Spirit apart from him. So, and, and just every deployment, you know, I have this 
those stories, those testimonies of just God showing up and revealing something new about himself and then also me learning that it has very little to do with us. We just have to be good stewards and have willing hearts. But um, yeah, just total dependency on him. That was probably the, the first big lesson that I learned in disaster release during that first hurricane and, and so many others. I mean, just watching him provide just miracles um, last year or Hurricane Florence um, the year before last in Wilmington at 8 p.m. I had an empty parking lot and I have a Hispanic family pull up in a van and they're asking for donations. I can't understand them. No one has been at our site all day and randomly a group of volunteers show up and one of them is bilingual. Hmm. So he's starting to translate for me and I'm like, wow, God, thank you. I would have had no way to communicate with this family. And Hmm. while he's explaining to me that they're looking for diapers, water and cleaning supplies, I have a third person show up in a truck and he's, he's saying, Hey, I got some waters. I just have a few left over. I wanted to drop them off somewhere. And I, I, in my flesh, I'm going, we don't take donations, sir. I'm so sorry. This is a volunteer based organization. And the man that's translating goes, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we not provide these waters to this family that's sitting here? And I'm like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do that. And then while they're getting the waters unloaded, another person shows up. We've had no cars in this parking lot all day and they show up and they have diapers. Okay, God, I'm flabbergasted at this point. Put mm-hmm. them in this person's van. Go ahead, load them up. Mm-hmm. And then, and it's unbelievable to me, but a, a third car shows up with cleaning supplies all within, this happens all within 10 minutes. By the time this family leaves, they have all three of the things they have asked me for. And there was a translator just like immediately in the parking lot. And I'm just floored. And I'm screaming at this lady because, you know, that's the best way for her to hear me. Not at all. And I'm going, this is God. This is not this is not me. He provided this for you. Do you understand Mm. that? (laughs) We don't take donations. I've had no cars in this parking lot all day. So um, every deployment, he shows up that way. That brings tears to my eyes, you know, because I think, yeah, this is why I love bringing staff members in because God grows their faith. And I love that scripture you shared, Psalm 121, you know, um, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And this is what our staff does. They look to God for wisdom, discernment. And you're right. That's not even, that story you just shared isn't even what Samaritan's Purse does, but God still intervened. And I love verse three in that that chapter that says, he will not let your foot slip. He watches over you and will not slumber. You know, and that's what I wanted you to share for everyone listening. You know, if if you're tired and you're weary and you can't even take the next step, you know, remember- Yeah you have a God who will not let your foot slip. I mean, that doesn't mean life's gonna be easy. You know, that doesn't mean he's gonna take us out of our, remove us completely from our difficult situation. But not letting our foot slip means he sees us. You know, he's gonna give us what we need. Maybe not what we want, but what we need. And I love that you shared that story. And I hope that encourages people and to think about those stories, you know, to remember the times that God miraculously intervenes because that is a true intervention. Um, it really was <laughs> that yeah you it wasn't even on your agenda um nor could you have met that need um but he did it anyway mm-hmm. um so i'm sure you have hundreds of stories like that um so is that what helps you get through because here you are now responding to hurricane laura you're on the ground in lake charles <clears throat> can you talk to me about how your team um prepared for that response um, on August 26th? How did you prepare for that storm? Sure. So at, like, you know, most people, especially on the coast, we were watching Laura as 
you know, she was growing and we were anticipating where the landfall would be. Um, so our team was just going through all of our equipment to be sure that we had everything we would need when we hit the road, uh, that there would be no lag time and we'd be able to deploy quickly. So many of us actually flew out uh, two days before Laura made landfall so that we could be at our uh, Southwest Ministry Center and Warehouse where we keep a lot of additional equipment so that we can more be more centrally located and get the storms faster. So we flew out there. We spent a day just um, helping the staff there make sure their equipment was prepped. We went to Sam's Club and bought, you know, tons of food and non-perishable items because we knew that when we got on the ground, it would be challenging to find resources uh, mm-hmm. for our volunteers and staff. And then Laura made landfall on Thursday. And after we had we saw that the storm was far enough north for us to safely access Louisiana, uh, four, four or five of us hit the road immediately to go and see and start assessing the damage where the biggest need would be. And we knew Lake Charles, which is where I'm stationed, was going to be hard hit. It was pretty close to the eye and it's um, a more populated city. So we started out for Lake Charles and about an hour and a half out, uh, you know, 100, 150 miles, we are already seeing trees down, having to drive around trees and power lines in the roads. And we're seeing homes with roofs off. And so we knew at that point, you know, this is big, this is going to be bad. Uh, because we're we're 150 miles from our destination, and it's only going to get worse if we get closer to where the eye came on land. So, and we finally did make it into Lake Charles Thursday evening. Um, I was I was pulling a skid steer trailer behind me and just constantly praying because there were so many power lines still that had not been moved and were not moved for several days after that because the local authorities and emergency responders, for the most part, many of them were trying to come back from where they were stationed during the evacuation and then uh, they simply hadn't had time to clear the roads yet so we we did make it safely to um, a church parking lot and started to walk around and there were very few people out and about which is um, kind of eerie after a disaster normally people are you know breaking their necks to get in and start cranking the chainsaws and helping their neighbors and they're coming out of their house they're pulling branches and there was nothing. It was just dead silence, uh, except for us. And I think we had two people in the community that we met that were across from the church that they had weathered the storm there in Lake Charles. And so we walked over and spent some time with them, helped them do a little bit in their yards until we could get on the ground running. But um, yeah, so we just, from there, we were looking for our host churches. And again, most of the pastoral staff and church members were still evacuated, but, you know, just obviously as the Lord would have it and his his sovereignty, I got in a truck and started driving around to different churches just to see where, where are the people, is anyone out and about? And thankfully I pulled into a church parking lot and there was a gentleman with his RV and his family. And I just asked him how he was holding up and if I could help them in any way. And he, he told me that, that he was a pastor at this particular church and gave me a phone number to their head pastor. And I just took it and passed along to our program manager. And um, that is actually the church that is now hosting us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're so grateful for that partnership, Bell Street Baptist. And just we just happened to be in the right place at the right time, which I know obviously is the Lord's hand at work, even on that very first day where no one else was around. And uh, so now they're hosting us and we are... Um, We've, I think we've been a whole 24 hours with power, which is such a praise and a blessing. We've had 
generators pulled in, the National Guard's providing us with uh, potable water tanks so that we can have water for the volunteers to shower in. And uh, we have Convoy of Hope here who's helping get us ice and water and Gatorade. So even though we've had a lot of struggles logistically, God has provided us so many amazing ways, uh, just pouring in the other resources we need to get our camp up and running and continue sending volunteers out to help. So you're saying you've only had power for 24 hours. So that means almost we, two weeks. <laughs> well, we've had generator power. It has been on and off for two weeks. So I think we've spent four or five nights wow. without power. Um, at different times, our generator will run and then there's, you know, there'll be a glitch and it's off. But Man, our volunteers have been such troopers. They are so gracious. I have not heard one of them complain about spending a hot night in that church. Uh, They give me so much encouragement. (laughs) Wow. I mean, that is amazing. I want to be them when I grow up. (laughs) I mean, that is amazing. I mean, I needed to hear that today because I feel like we, our AC was broken, our microwave. uh, We've just had a couple things happening and I've been kind of, woe is me, but I mean, power for two weeks. And you're, yes, during COVID, I mean, already I'm sure these churches were maybe not meeting regularly, you know, even prior to the storm. So already situations were difficult, I'm sure, to try to find church partners and find volunteers and people. But then, yeah, you put into perspective people that have been evacuated and then no power. How do you even find volunteers? How do people come out and serve amidst such chaos? Yeah, it is. There are so many additional challenges just with COVID alone. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, like you said, the infrastructure for miles uh, has been totally wiped out. So a lot of what we have been depending on with COVID is local volunteers mm-hmm. because we can't quite house as many overnight volunteers as we would like to because we're trying to keep everyone safe and, and distanced. Um, we, we've been depending on those local entities to come in and, and join us for a day. Well, with this storm being so widespread, uh, that's been difficult to find. So we've just really been depending on the Lord to provide us with people. And even though in our eyes, we might be a smaller operation than we would like to be at this point, and we would like to see more people come and join us, you know, we just have to trust in Him that He knows the time, and He knows the people that He wants here to do His work each day. And as far as just the, the struggle with power and with water, um, several days this week, our, our septic was backed up, but you know, God provided again. We had a plumber on site um, pretty immediately. We also had some porter bodies delivered, which we are so glad. I've never been so happy to see porter bodies. Um, but one of our team leaders that had been out assessing and meeting with homeowners, hearing their stories, assessing is a really hard job because you're usually the first person uh, someone has seen after the storm that was not also affected. So you really get that raw emotion from the homeowners. They, mm-hmm. they typically unload on you. And the assessor said to me, you know, Chandler, I don't mind not having power because it's only given me more empathy for what our homeowners are going through. Hmm. And that just, it hit me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. wow, that is so convicting. I've been running around here consumed by the urgency of getting all of this taken care of that I have not slowed down enough to stop and think or even even have long enough conversations with these people that are also dealing with these same same things and lost their homes and their jobs and, you know, don't know how they're going to sleep tonight. I mean, um, yeah, so just really encourage my volunteers heart um, and yeah, definitely would invite others to come along and join us in that. We're definitely networking on how to get more volunteers here on the ground. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, you've kind of alluded to it, but how can we be praying for your staff and for sure. your volunteers and then for the homeowners? Because like you said, you're all kind of facing a storm right now, but you're right. It puts in just perspective. And I think God is teaching you empathy um, to be able to love and serve these families. So how can we be praying for all of you? Yeah, so please pray for, first and foremost, the families, the individuals that were affected. So for many of the people we're seeing here, they don't have insurance. They are disabled, elderly. I mean, that's just such a huge population of this area. And um, I know personally several that are sleeping in their cars on the street because they uh, were evicted. They were renters, so they don't even have their own properties to camp out on. And then for those that do have their own properties and, you know, can stay there, they're tent camping. And then there are some that are able to stay in their home, but it's probably not the best or safest living condition. So pray for those people that physically the Lord would provide housing solutions for them. You know, it seems like an overwhelming need to us, but God knows each one of those individuals by name. So please remember them. And then also more importantly than their physical need, uh, pray that, you know, this time in their life would help them to think about eternity, think about the Lord. And, um, you know, when you lose everything, what is the anchor in life when your foundation's been wiped from you? It's Him. So I just pray that and, and ask you to pray too, that people would turn to Him and, and look to Him and accept Him as their Savior and, and their lifeline. And then also, if you could pray for pastors here, um, many of their church members and their support systems are not here, but they are staying here, many of them without power, without housing, just so they can minister. Mm-hmm. So just pray that the Lord would give them strength and endurance as they're trying to shepherd without their normal flock of support. And then uh, for our volunteers, just continue to pray for their stamina and endurance. It's very hot, very humid. They do not complain. They go out and they serve and they love. Uh, so just pray that the Lord would uphold them and that he would fill them with their Holy Spirit, that he just pour their, his Holy Spirit into their hearts so that they can just share his love with every person they come in contact with. Hmm. And so, and you've kind of, you've given some small examples, but can you just share it in closing? You know, it's it sounds so discouraging, you know, to hear you say you hadn't had power. Um, I mean, it almost just sounds like, how can you, keep working in these circumstances, but can you share a way that you've already seen God working and and helping to restore that community? Oh, absolutely. Um, God is doing so much here just with the way he's provided for us to even have a camp set up and running. Uh, And then yesterday we actually heard a story. One of our homeowners, our team was out serving him and he was sharing his story of weathering the storm in his home here in Lake Charles, which I can imagine was terrifying, uh, he hid in his closet and he was explaining to the chaplain that in his closet, he was terrified, shaking, and he was praying. Um, But in his heart, he was so worried that God wouldn't hear him because he's Catholic. And he said, I didn't have a priest to pray for me. And I was so worried that God wouldn't hear my voice. And so the chaplain got to share with him uh, steps to peace, which Mm -hmm. just clearly walks someone through the gospel message and how he could have a personal relationship with Jesus, how Jesus is the only way to the Father, and that mm. all of us are offered that opportunity. And he was so excited and relieved to hear that, that he actually grabbed the chaplain's hands and said, I want to say that prayer. Mm. And so he, he prayed that prayer and, and invited Jesus into his life and now has that assurance um, that whatever he faces in the future, God does hear his voice. Mm. So yes, there's so much strong ministry happening. Yeah, we we are not discouraged. We are challenged, but mm-hmm. we are not discouraged. <laughs> mm. 
That is awesome. Um, I know I think of that, that scripture, we are persecuted, but not abandoned, you know, the difficult times, but praise the Lord. Um, And I do, I'm just grieving for people that don't know the Lord that are going through, Mm -hmm. I mean, just even COVID alone has been, you know, the last six months, our nation, it's just been difficult. And then all these storms, how do people do it without that hope? Because like you said, we have this anchor, you know, that is unshaken mm-hmm. and that can't be taken away by light, you know, by death, by anything, nothing. Who we are is not impacted um, by what we do exactly. or what we have. Um, but for those that don't have that, um, so thank you for being a light and bringing Jesus in name and hope into this community. Um, and so Samaritan's Purse, do you, are there four locations? Is that correct? In that area? Yes, in Louisiana, there are four locations here. Okay, so you have realized the need is great and you've spread out. Exactly, yeah. We're trying to maximize our response as much as possible so that we can help as many people and, you know, in the name of the Lord, Mm -hmm. let them know that there is a hope. Well, thank you, Chandler, for giving us an update um, in how to pray. Um, Is there anything else that you want to share before we close? I know I've been so encouraged personally by what you've shared, but is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would love to share with our audience? Oh, I just want to say thank you. I know that Samaritan's Purse is a family for Mm -hmm. the last few years. It's certainly been a family to me. And I just want to say thank you for all those people um, that are maybe in the the background of our ministry, the Mm -hmm. prayer warriors that are covering our sites. Uh, We feel those prayers. We know that they're taking place. And some days that's the only thing that gets us by on on the ground Mm -hmm. and in the field. Um, So just thank you. Thank you for shedding light on um, what we're doing, Christy, and, and your support. And then just for the prayers of anyone that's listening and just our SC family. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, it is a team effort, you know, with the body of Christ. I think we all have, Definitely. we talk about it all the time. You know, we couldn't do this ministry without each part of the body. But sometimes, you know, so you true. do forget when you're not out there. And I feel that way. I want to go help. I want to do something. But um, it's a good reminder that prayer is as valuable um, because, you you know, those that are going, you are the senders and we appreciate you going um, or no, oh. we are the senders. You are the goers. Thank you for going. <laughs> and yeah, you're right. We are a team. We're in this together. Definitely. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you were as encouraged as I was. I know I was personally impacted by Chandler's testimonies and stories that she shared from the ground. Um, and I just want to close by reading Psalm 121. Um, as she mentioned verse one, but I'm going to read one through three. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He watches over you and will not slumber. And I know that was just encouraging, um, just to be reminded that we can just look to God. We don't need to look to the left or the right, you know, in the news and the devastation around us, but look to God. That is where our help comes from. And so I hope that you're encouraged by these stories and these testimonies um, as I was um, and and continue to pray. As Chandler said, um, they can feel our prayers. And so whatever you do in the ministry, um, whether you're a goer or a sender, um, I hope that you're encouraged um, that your work is important and we need to lift our eyes to the hills and look to God. Thanks again for tuning in and may God bless your week.